Hey, this is Charlie. Welcome to the Family Starship Podcast, where we review movies, get the reactions, and you got yourself a podcast. I am, I am, however, not your host. Um, it will be my father coming in a minute. Let's drop right into it. Thank you, Charlie. We've been playing around with the introduction. I think I like this version the best, but we will see how it's received. We have another first on the podcast this week. It's our first repeat guest. Stacy and I will be talking about The Neverending Story, the 1984 fantasy film that um, I'm sure many people have lots of fond memories of. Wait a second. What's that? It's the Ivory Tower! Hey everyone, it's now time to talk about The NeverEnding Story. I'm your host, Chris Benavidez, and I'm here with my friend, Stacey Mellis. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that, you are our first repeat uh, guest host on the podcast, Stacey. I'm honored and delighted. That's awesome. All right. So today, The NeverEnding Story. A troubled boy dives into a wondrous fantasy world through the pages of a mysterious book. That's all it says on IMDb. That's the entire summary. I got a lot to say about this this movie. Um, first of all, to describe this movie, it's '80s fantasy to a T. It is '80s fantasy. We really haven't done very much of yet, um, but it's it's its own unique brand. It's its own genre within a genre, um, and it's 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 right there. This is one of my favorite like genres of movie. There's a lot about '80s fantasy that we'll talk about later that um i want to get to it's a meta story um about stories that's what the the never-ending story is we'll, we'll get into the details of that later on also and then finally it's also a family drama kind of a coming of age story also i feel like there's a lot to say about the never-ending story that we'll get to let's start with this how do you come to it um what's your history and what does it mean to you so i saw the never-ending story for the first time when i was pretty young I can't exactly remember when, but I'm fairly sure it was one of the movies that my grandfather took us to. And we used to go to the theater and we would sit in the very back row and we would stay back in the day when they'd let you stay and just rewatch a movie over all day if you wanted to. Yes. I remember uh, that. <laughs> so we would do that with my grandpa and I'm, I'm pretty sure... If I can recall, this was one of those movies where he w- he took me and my sister and my cousin and we just sat and watched it a couple of times. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those movies where, I mean, it's got that song that's an earworm, yes. you know, and the references, especially at this like Gen X or middle aged come up all the time, you know, <laughs> even in in like shows like workaholics or something like that yes. where they turned a car into falcor yes so, <laughs> so Stranger it's Things just, also did, did the song yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it just stuck with me you know basically <laughs> i don't know how ugh, 
It's a this long is, time ago this movie was. <laughs> so you saw it in the theater then. You saw it in 1984. So Yeah. Um Yeah, not, I was pro- I was about 8 then. So that's a great time to watch it, I think. I think that's Yeah. That's that's awesome. I I didn't see it in a theater and it's a rarity for 80s fantasy especially. Um I didn't see this movie until I was in my 30s. I saw it in the in the mid 2000s, I believe. Um I mean, I'd seen parts of it before then, but I never saw, sat down and watched the whole thing until then. That and surprises me that you didn't yeah, see this one. Me too. It, it feels so like I, I, the thing is I watched it. And then it, even though I was, you know, old when I saw it, I, uh, <laughs> I saw it and, you know, it, it immediately had, it brought me right back to that tone. Like I, like, yeah, this is 1984, isn't it? This is like right around that time. Um, Because there's so much about it that is just so specific to that time period. Um, I remember um, back in 84, um, I think I was going to go with some friends to see either this or The Last Starfighter, if I remember correctly. And we decided to go see The Last Starfighter, which was great, too. I I love that movie as well. Um, That movie's awesome. Yes. But I like, I wish I'd seen this earlier because I think it probably would have had a bigger impact on me if I had. Um, But even seeing it as an adult... Um, it still had an impact. I, I was able to put myself in that headspace of being a kid seeing this because, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot to this, lots of the message of this movie that really resonated with me. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. More details to follow on that later on. Anything you remember from it that specifically struck a chord with you about the never well, story? I think some of the, some of the themes, right? Like, and even when I was a kid, I think I, I related to Bastion, right? Because, you know, being one of the kind of dorky kids who, you know, I had an elementary school bully. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I loved to read, so kind of related to him. And, and so that, uh, that was really memorable for me. And just like, you know, all, the, all of the characters were kind of larger than life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, Falcor. I mean, yes. you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The character designs were very memorable, like instantly. Like uh, um, the Rockbiter, the Gamork, uh, Falcor, Morla, you know, the Goofy Snail. Um, <laughs> the that, Racing Snail. <laughs> the Racing Snail, yeah. All that stuff was just, yeah, like you instantly saw them and they just like, you know, there's such specific interesting designs it it doesn't look like a lot of other movies you know there's a lot of care that went into the character design in this movie i think and yeah um, i feel like they really did deliver on creating a completely different world definitely you know it's called fantasia for a reason right that's right (laughs) it's really fantastical yes Uh, i i mean beyond that I i remember and again i saw this as an adult so the meta nature of the narrative really struck a chord with me, you know, and it's a story about stories basically. And, um, making a case for the importance of fantasy, I think is really what this movie's about. And that really, you know, even at that age, I, you know, I, I'm a sucker for fantasy. I love it. So, um, that struck a chord. And of course the music, you know, the, <laughs> the song, um, by Lamal, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. Is Who, definitely... by the way, I thought was a woman until <laughs> <laughs> until someone was like, "No, that's that was a dude." That was a dude. Yeah. 
song. Yes. And that song, I did hear that song back then in, in the 80s. And I, I liked that song even then. So I, I've always liked the song, even though I didn't see the movie until later on. I had nostalgia for the song, even though I didn't really have nostalgia for the movie until until later on. Yeah, it, it's one of those songs that I'll like, if if something is just going on and on forever, I will start humming it in my head, you know, especially yes. like if it's something at work or something and I'm like, this meeting is not going to ever end and it's just <laughs> going in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, talk about like the antithesis of, you know, fantasy is like the harsh reality of a meeting of like a work meeting. That's like, <laughs> exactly. that's about as that's, polar opposite as you can get. That's, that's, you know, taking myself out of it with the never ending story. That's, that's what I'm wow. doing. Back to the meta point that you made something I, I hadn't really thought about until I, I watched it again. Now recently was it was meta within meta, like, infinitely meta because she's like just as you're reading this story somebody's reading your story and so on yes and i had never you know i never pieced that together yeah until this most recent watching of it interesting and maybe it's because yeah i i I caught that but again i wasn't a kid when i saw it so i I think maybe if i was a kid i might have missed that but yeah i i found that to be just super interesting part of this movie the whole thing about you know bastion who's the main character is the kid who's like you know being bullied he has a harsh life um escaping into this book and like follow finding some like you know solace there in the fantasy world um that stuff definitely resonates i think it's something that anyone can relate to you know yeah Um, and the like the running away with the book and just you know, yeah. finding your own space to, yeah, to just be and read as a form of escapism. Don't you wish you can just like grab like a giant book and like hide in a creepy storage closet during like a business meeting and just you know read instead of like just skip out on it completely? Oh, a hundred percent. Although. I don't know if I'd want to be that creepy a storage attic. And I also don't understand why that storage attic was there in a very <laughs> modern looking school. It's, it seemed unduly creepy. That's the only concept. like like the school is all super clean and modern. And then you go into this like abandoned right. building attic. Yes. It, it looked like, <laughs> like where like Freddy Krueger would hang out. Like... <laughs> that closet and um, why was nobody looking for him that was <laughs> exactly yeah although i have to say taking like a a math test i'm not ready for or going to a business meeting i think i would take the math test yeah um business meeting versus math test uh, depends on the no math test for yeah, sure yeah yeah so well, half of my business is math so it doesn't matter <laughs> so basically the point is Bastion doesn't know how good he has it, really. Exactly. Yeah, that's go hang yeah. out with those skeletons, Bastion. You're gonna <laughs> appreciate it later. All right, let's get to expectations. What did you oh. think uh, your daughter would think of it? So, I thought she'd like it, but I was really nervous about the um, the scene 
with Artax a horse. Yes. Uh, that was my biggest fear. Yes. Of her watching it. And there being actually two things I was afraid of. One, it was going to like devastate her. Yeah. Two, that she wouldn't get it and and not have empathy, which (laughs) Which would be even worse. Like, stupid horse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because she's at that age, you know. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean it did upset her. Yeah. Um and I also I, I was just worried it was gonna be a little scary. So we did yes. warn her in advance. Okay. Um but I but I really thought she'd enjoy some of the like she really loved the parts about the bullies and um she loved Falcor. Yeah. And she really seemed to follow the whole thing. I was afraid of showing this mostly because my kids record on um, 80s movies is very variable. They, they both watched the entire Princess Bride. So I was happy about that. But oh, nice. um, they don't always sit for 80s movies. Like they're either too slow or the effects look too dated to them or that kind of thing. And um, I was afraid that they might check out at some point. I was hoping they could stay till the end, enjoy the whole meta nature of the narrative like I enjoy and hopefully get out that out of it. And but I was afraid they were going to, you know, not make it. Um, obviously, the the Artax scene. Um, all right. So just everyone listening, spoilers, we're going to spoil the entire movie. So that's just that's just the way we go here. Um <laughs> But Artax is a horse, and the horse dies during the movie, a really horrible, tragic death by being sunk into quicksand. And um, that might be a bit much for some kids, I think. Um, So I definitely was afraid of that one, too. Let's take a quick break, and we'll hear what the kids think. Hey, Joel, what did you think of The NeverEnding Story? It, uh, I liked the movie. Uh, I, the only reason I would complain about it is because I am very scared of wolves. So you were a little scared of the Gabork? Yes. Um, but otherwise, it was okay? Yeah, it was pretty good. Did you like the story? Yes. Yes, I liked it too. What about the music? It was, it, it was real, all of it was really good. Cool. I'm glad you liked it, and I'm glad you sat for the whole thing. Okay, Charlie, what did you think of the never-ending story? Um, I mean, well, it was, um, um, it was just kind of weird to me. Um, I kind of just left. Yeah, you left about half an hour in. Yeah. A little bit bored by it? I don't know, man. I, I just, it wasn't my thing. Was it too 80s? No, like, I, and I, sometimes I enjoy movies that have this sort of style. I don't know, I just didn't like this one some reason okay no problem well thank you for trying yeah what was your favorite thing in the movie falcor what was so cool about falcor he could fly into outer space what did you think falcor was when you first saw him (laughs) space doggy and i still believe (laughs) you still believe he's a space doggy What did they call him in the movie? Space Doggy. What was the best part of Atreyu's adventure? The turtle. I like when he sneezes. 
What did you think about the rock monster? He was awesome. I like when he grabs everything in rock. But I don't know why he has a rock mobile. It's weird. It freaks me out. All right, we're back. Let's talk about what the kids actually thought. Um, I'll start. Um, you know, my oldest son, Charlie, he walked out about after about 40 minutes, which is not terrible for him. His, his attention span with the old movies is, like I said, very variable. Um, all the usual reasons. He found it too slow. He'd rather be watching YouTube or something and that kind of thing. And eventually he walked out. I mean, I, I don't want to make him hate these movies by forcing him to sit down. So, I, you know, he walks away, he walks away. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get him into things like this. Um, but, you know, he was pleased for the part he watched, but he was not super interested in it. My, my younger son, Joel, who's eight, stayed for the whole thing. And he seemed really into it at times. There were times where he was like really in, smiling, uh, laughing. Um, he said he liked it afterwards. Um, which again, pretty good. I'm glad I saved the whole thing. I'm con- I'm gonna call that a win. Call that progress. Um, and his big thing was that he was scared by the Gamork. Now the Gamork is a a wolf, kind of a talking wolf animatronic, which is pretty creepy. I think. I mean the uh, the effects work on him is is really good. I, I think it's obviously it's it's unreal. It's animatronic. It's it's not realistic, but it is so kind of reminiscent of a, of a, of a real creature and has a creepy voice that um, it kind of worked. And Joel did not like to see the Gamork. He, he turned away a few times when, when he was on screen and he wanted to know when he was off screen. Um, werewolves, werewolves have a bad association with him. Um, he had seen the third Harry Potter movie at a young age and it has scary werewolf scene in it. And he didn't like that scene and he was kind of traumatized by it. And so that definitely kind of brought that back. I think seeing the Gamork. Um, so that's, uh, that was a bit tough. Yeah. Um, your daughter liked it, right? She sat through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Vera, she's, she's five and a half now. So she is, she liked it. She liked it a lot. We've watched it a couple more times since. And cool. I will sometimes find her singing the song to other words, right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> she just makes up her own words to the theme of the never-ending story now. Nice. <laughs> um, she really loved she loved Falcor, of course. I think she really just liked the um the story. She liked um you know, I, I think she actually liked the back and forth and pretty much followed what was happening, except she did keep asking, "What? why is this the never-ending story? <laughs> <laughs> it was like 10 times throughout yes. the movie. <laughs> yes, that was, a, that was definitely a talking point with my kids. Like, wait a second. It says right here it's over in an hour and 40 minutes. Why is it, say, <laughs> why is it called a never-ending story, Dad? That kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, she was, she was scared, like definitely upset her, um, when Artax died there, you know, that was, that was the most 
most upsetting part for her. The Gamora, yeah. it, it didn't really. I was surprised that one didn't get her much. Um, a little bit at the fight scene at that at the end, but um, but she did pretty well. But to be fair, we did we did warn her in advance. You know, if we were like, this is going to be a little scary. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. See, you um, kind of primed her. You kind of primed yeah, her for it. yeah, yeah. We've also been priming her with eighties movies too. That's good. I think you're doing. I've been trying to well. get her to watch seventies and sixties movies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now that's that, that. I haven't even tried that with. Well, I, I showed them Star Wars, which is a seventies movie. They like that. Yeah, but, like I got her to sit through yeah. Herbie. So you know. You mean Herbie the Love Bug? Yes. Wow. I don't think I could sit through that movie right now, but yes, yeah. it's, it was it was harder for me, I think, than her. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Artax scene didn't didn't seemingly have an emotional reaction to it. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that I think they were able to separate the unreality of it from the scene. Yeah. So maybe yeah. they just weren't as emotionally affected at, by it as I thought they would be. So, which is both, like you say, both good and bad. Um, <laughs> right. Um, it's good that they're not going to have nightmares, I hope. But, you know, maybe, you know, it'd be nice to have a nightmare about that one. You know? Cause yeah, I know. It's like a horse drowning in the swamps of sadness yeah. is not exactly the, you know. Yeah, it, it's something... It's, yeah. Yeah. Something you, you probably should have a reaction to, you know? I, yeah. In some yeah. way. Yeah. Okay. All right. We are going to come back one more time and give our rundown of the movie. Okay, we're back to finish up on the never-ending story. So, Stacy, how did you feel about watching the movie again, and what held up for you? I really had fun watching it. Um, I think I especially had fun watching it with Vera because she was she was really engaged through the whole movie. Um, so that was really fun to see. And uh, you know, for me, what held up was the. Like the story itself, you know, the, you know, the premise of Bastion and his escaping into this book and then reading the story um, and, and just like everything that Atreyu goes through on this journey. It's just like, I, I don't know. It's like, I think, I feel like it's like a great primer, um, for fantasy in some ways for like as a kid you know like this is this this is like really typical right yeah then you'll you know like as you get older you'll start (laughs) reading some books and you're gonna have this sort of same thematic like going on a journey and a quest yeah yeah it it, it just it it was great you know the i i think what didn't hold up for me as much like the puppetry is a little dated yeah 
for sure. For me, um, 80s fantasy is like my wheelhouse. It's like, it's kind of like, it's its own thing outside of even other fantasy. Uh, and, and the way I'd, I'd kind of think about it is the themes are usually pretty dark. There's life or death, destruction of a whole world, <laughs> that kind of thing. The effects, you know, practical. Um, this is really the last time that it was okay to have a major motion picture with puppets that you're passing off as real. <laughs> um, For which, real. Yeah, and I, I, and I love that. I mean, I know the puppets don't look realistic, but I think that's kind of the point. Um, and I think it, it kind of pervades this era of fantasy. It's not overly obsessed with realism, which I, I'm so thankful for. And, you know, I, I feel like sometimes when they, they try to make fantasy movies where they're trying to replicate reality through the effects or, you know, even it, it just, to me, it undersells what, I mean, it could be done well, but it's, I, I feel like sometimes that's the wrong road to go down. And what I love about 80s fantasy is that it's not a, like these are these are sound studios. It's obvious <laughs> there are sound studios. <laughs> right. It's not a real swamp. You know, it's fine. <laughs> but that's OK. You know, that's that's fine. Um, it's supposed to look like a fantasy world. This looks like a consistent fantasy world that, you know, it's it's real enough for me for it to sell its reality. It The characters believe in the world. So you believe in it, too. And it's fine. I don't need and, more and it that. can be so out there, you know. It doesn't have to doesn't have to be so real. Yeah, definitely. The music, you know, and again, I'm I'm a child of the '80s, so I find '80s music to be the best music, you know. So the music is to me is incredible. Um, both, you know, the uh, the the song, the title track by Lamal, and also. The themes, like the uh, the orchestral score, like the electronic score by Giorgio Moroder, great, tremendous. Like the musical cues in this movie, just they just pop for me. They they just they get my attention. It's you know I, I feel like, and again, I'm gonna sound like an old man, but I feel like a lot of time modern movies are afraid to use music to punctuate their themes, their their scenes, like like they did back then they're they're afraid to let the music kind of be super present and noticeable as if that was something to apologize for i i feel like you know it's okay when you have a story about you know uh, a fantasy world disappearing to have some really impressive music and just some really you know noticeable musical cues it's fine um and, and i really like that i appreciate that um, and then obviously the, the, the story, it's very simple, timeless story. Um, I should say it's simple, timeless stories, because there's a lot of stories going on at the same time here. <laughs> and, and I do want to get into that for a second. So, okay. I remember talking to Lauren, you know, Lauren, my wife, um, after we saw, we, you know, we, I saw the movie with the kids again and I told her, you know, I really liked watching it. I, I enjoyed it probably even more than I did the first time I'd seen this. And one of the things that stuck, that w that really struck me, uh, was that, you know, the meta nature of the narrative. There are multiple stories here, and they all kind of fit together. So the first story is Bastion. He's kid. He's being bullied. His life sucks. Um, he's coming to terms, and this is, a, you know, maybe 
might have been harder to get this the first step, but he's coming to terms with his mom had died recently and he's coming to terms with living his life that way. So he, you know, he's trying to cope the best he can. And the entire length of the movie, basically, he is locked away in a storage closet at school, a scary storage closet, and, you know, reading a book to avoid reality, basically. That's that's the entire, that's his entire story. Um, and then the story in the book, the fantasy story, is there's a whole fantasy world that is literally disappearing into nothingness. And the premise is that we follow the adventures of another boy named Atreyu, who has to search for a way to defeat the nothing and to prevent the world from being destroyed. Now, ultimately, Fantasia, you know, the world, it all but disappears. But the way the story gets resolved is that Atreyu succeeds by delivering the one thing that can save it, and that's the imagination of a real child, which has been ignited by following the adventures that he just read. And in doing so, Bastion becomes invested in the Fantasia story and it sparks his imagination and creates his own continuation of the story, which is signified by giving a new name to the childlike empress. Um, which again, it all fits together really well. I think that entire melding of those two stories together and what it says about what good stories can do to, you know, propel the imagination i think that whole thing works and i i really appreciate how well that aspect of the story is told after watching the movie it's inc- when when Bastion renames the Empress, and yes. this is something that bothered me. I can't understand what he says. Yes, that's always bothered me too. And, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm not sure what the n- name was, and then it, so I started looking it up on the internet. I think in the in the um, in the novel it was based on. Yeah, like his mother's the name was Moonchild or something like that. Okay. And that might be what he yells. And I've always thought it was something like Marianne or something more <laughs> ordinary. That, you know, that has always bothered me as well. You know, bad job yeah. by, the, by the sound mixing on the movie. Just make us, let us hear the name, guys. We don't want to hear the, you know, the thunder, you know, don't just, just lower the volume of the thunder for like a split second. We could hear the name. Part of me wonders if it was intentional, though. Oh, so it could be anything. like. So it could be anything. And in your mind, like, and if it was Moonchild, right? And yeah. and we're led to think that it's his mother's name. Um, who's running around? Yeah, like <laughs> his, his mother, his father didn't seem like the type to be married to someone named Moonchild. I don't know. A lot, a lot of hippies end up going pretty True. straight after when True. they get older. You she know. may have become a yuppie. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know, I need. If I were to put on the never-ending story and put on subtitles, it wouldn't tell us what the name is. I don't know. That's a good point. I feel like I'm gonna have to go try that. All right, we'll we'll do that. Um, 
Uh, maybe, maybe for the coda at the end of the episode, we'll, we'll, I'll, uh, I'll play it and I'll, I'll just see what the name is. Maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll even call it out to the rain or something. <laughs> Open that window, that broken window. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're like, shut up in there. The other thing I was thought was really funny about the Empress is I don't I remember as a kid feeling like she was a little weird. Right? Like yeah. something something kind of was like she's she's weird. Maybe it was just kind of like the glowiness of her and the way that she spoke with perfect diction or something. She and seemed, uh Yeah. Yeah, and then it was funny cuz cuz Vera um after we watched it, she's like, that Empress was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're just a miniature me right there. <laughs> like, there you go. Maybe just a, a little too well-spoken for a child kind of thing. Is that what it Maybe. Was? I don't know, but she was an Empress. Maybe she was a thousand yeah. years old. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She might be a thousand years old. Maybe she's old and wise and she just looks like a child. A, a childlike empress, you know, in a way. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I do love that scene, though, because that scene kind of ties those stories together. And I love the scene where she explains that entire meta story to Atreyu. So, yeah. So there. And uh, I, I, I love the end. I love the end when <clears throat> Fantasia's all back. Yes. Riding Falcor and waving to everybody and yes. just makes all the wishes. It's just like <laughs> yeah. It pays off so well. Like yes. the movie pays off just great. Exactly. It's like you know, the whole world is reformed through Bastion's imagination. Yeah. Yes. And and like all the darkness you go through to get there like, you know, some movies just don't do that. You go through all the darkness and then you're just like, oh, that was just a slog and that right. wasn't worth it at the end and this this one it's like yeah yes you know and, like the yes. iconic picture of bastion like fists in the air riding yes. Belcore. definitely and you know what if this movie wasn't as dark as it is like that scene wouldn't pop it'd be like yeah this movie hasn't really earned it but this movie earns that happy ending yeah um absolutely and this is the thing like uh, when we get to discussion of the best scene again, but what I want, what I want to say is that the movie is really dire. Like it, there is a a hopelessness as you watch this movie, and that's actually something else that I was afraid the kids might be repelled by. It's there's not a lot of happy stuff happening for the vast majority of this movie. Um, like characters are literally like just being disintegrated not it's not graphic it's not violent in the imagery but the tone is just hopeless and depressing um the characters in fantasia they're all aware that they're disappearing and they are trying desperately to hold on and the quest that atreyu is on feels legit desperate and overwhelming and it really draws you in yeah and especially it being the child that's doing it right it's you know it has to be a child he can't take anyone or any weapons with him he has to do it alone yes all right but so what's your best scene i love the little 
couple with the Oracle. Oh yeah. Um, they just I don't know why they they cracked me up. The guy you know, the guy Yeah. You know, when he is watching um Atreyu try to get through that that yeah. first Oracle and like yelling to him, run Atreyu, and then you hear Bastion yelling, run Atreyu, and then he starts running. I don't know, that's just like one yeah. of those culminating scenes that I just love. Yeah, yeah. Um uh joel really got into that scene also he liked that entire like setup um all right for me it's definitely a downer of a scene but um the scene with the rock biter just sitting there like staring at his hands and explaining that he couldn't hold on to save his friends that's kind of like that that scene kind of just signifies this whole movie you know as far as like the first two-thirds of the movie it's like you know this like desperately trying to hold on to living and um it this is the kind of thing that makes the movie resonate because you feel that sense of loss the movie doesn't shy away from it it's it lets you feel that these characters are losing a lot during the course of the movie so that when the world gets reformed at the end it actually means something you actually you actually are happy about it yeah yeah exactly it's it's got that weight to it absolutely so what doesn't hold up doesn't hold up about the never-ending story for you well like i said that some of the puppetry is a little outdated but at the same time you know that's just that's how it was back then and it's cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and even some of the costuming like man these days i would change a little of that but those are just those are nits what i think what what it is for me is like again is a, a when it comes to like now as a parent and i watch something yes. like this i see things where i'm like oh <laughs> dad you're being a little rough on bastion there you know he yeah. just lost his mom or it's like oh why is nobody at the school sending off alarms <laughs> and looking for this kid that Went right. missing during the day and, and he's there all night yes yeah he um, just hangs on the school all night and no one notices basically it's like things i wouldn't have thought of as a kid watching that so it's yeah. just like oh cool he's in an attic and that's the, the, the night <laughs> that's awesome um <laughs> yeah. so like that's really where like now like now having my own kid i'd be like I'd be really alarmed if he didn't come home from school and nobody was looking in the attic at the school for him. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. You know what? You're, you're right. <laughs> yeah. It's something I think, um, I, I, first time I saw this, I wasn't a parent yet. So that didn't resonate as much, but definitely this time I, I definitely got that vibe. I was like, wow, is anyone going to look for Bastion? <laughs> He's been in that creepy closet for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like this attic is a fire hazard. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. My bad thing here is that um the uh the bookstore owner guy, kind of a book snob, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> kind of kind of the very condescending attitude about like, oh, yeah, you know, you know I, I always say this to Lauren, so you know she'll she'll understand what I mean. But like, you know, there's a definite hoity toityness about people who 
read books to the exclusion of everything else. And this guy kind of, yeah, he kind of rang that bell for me. It's like, you know, (laughs) I like books. Okay. Yes. I'm a kid and I read books. Okay. Get off my back. Creepy old guy. I mean, I get that he was testing him. Yes. But but still. It's like, don't be a gatekeeper, dude. Just like settle down. Dial it back, dude. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Glad I got off got that off my chest. Um (laughs) who's the MVP of the movie? Oh, the MVP of the movie. Uh it has to be a trio for me. Yeah. He's going through it all. (laughs) You know, he's He's the one suffering. He has a rough time. Atreyu, <laughs> not a lot goes right for Atreyu in this movie. No, no. And, and like, and the maturity level that he has to show yeah. to go through all of this. Like, the first oracle is to like walk through and know your own self worth. Yeah. Right? Like, what kid can do that? I can't yeah. do that. I'm I'm 44. There's no way. Right. And. The movie does a good job and you you hear like it's a, like a child warrior and that can go super cheesy, super fast. Um, yeah. But it doesn't. He, he, he kind of sells it, you know, it kind of works. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, my MVP is Falcor because great effect lights up every scene he's in. Just a great yeah. visual design. And Falcor's optimism is so much needed by the time he shows up in the movie. Um, so true. And against this like relentless tragedy that's happening a lot all over the place, you have this one character who like always cheerful. <laughs> you know, it, it, he's a breath of fresh air. It's like you want Falcor on the screen as much as possible um, by the time he shows up. Would you watch this movie again for fun? Um, I have already watched it again, <laughs> probably like three times since the first time Vera and I watched it. So, <laughs> so that's that's a solid yes, I would say. That's a yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I feel like I would. I mean, it's not like I'd sit around watching it in such a short span on my own. But yeah, yeah. I would totally watch it again sometime. Just be like, yeah, I haven't watched that in a long time. That'd be fun. Well, I'm I'm totally gonna watch it as soon as we're done tonight, so I can find out if you're right about Moonchild. <laughs> yeah, please let me know. It's like my burning question. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Moonchild, do better, Bastion. Remake, reboot, sequel, or leave it alone. Oh, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't. I would probably watch a remake of it. I would. I wouldn't expect it to be as good just because this aesthetic is just so of my time, you know, and like, I don't know if I would appreciate a change on it, Um, but I'd watch it. I mean, but like, like, what what would be the point of a CGI Falcor though, you know? Yeah. And I feel like they'd water it down. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like studios now would water it down. Have you ever seen any of the sequels? There's like a couple of sequels. I have not. All right. I'm going to put that on my list. I do want to see the never ending story too. Now I'm going to have to watch that at some point. I heard it was yeah. not as good. Probably not as good, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm, you know, how bad could it be? Right. It could be really bad. That's true. But um, 
if I don't watch it, I'll never find out. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll I'll put it on I'll put it on the list. I don't even know where I can find it. Yeah, <laughs> just type in "Neverending Story 2" on the Roku search feature. You'll find it. Final impressions of the Neverending Story. Anything you want to add about this movie? I think we've we've actually hit this one pretty hard. We, it, I, I came prepared for this one, Stacy. I don't know if you noticed. Wrote a lot of notes. I did. Before. Yeah, I did. I had yeah. a lot to say about this movie. I've read your notes too, so I came prepared. <laughs> so I, I think I've covered everything I want to say. Do you have anything you want to add about the never-ending story? No, I, you know, I think like the biggest thing for me is just for younger kids who get scared easily. Yes. Probably wait a little bit longer than you think you right. need to wait. Or for younger kids that don't scare that easily, just warn them. <laughs> yes. Yes. What to show the kids next? We were actually just trying to figure this out earlier today and, and scrolling through some other 80s movies because we were rewatching Ghostbusters. Nice. Um, and just trying to figure out like if it's too early to do Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, I don't think it's too early. I think a lot of the adult themes will go right over her head in that movie. Yeah, I think so too. I've shown the kids some 80s fantasy. Has been has it been super well received? I've shown them the Dark Crystal. I've shown them Crawl. Shown them oh, the last unicorn. We haven't done the Dark Crystal yet. Yeah, Dark Crystal. And look, as much as I complain about modern movies, have you seen the uh, the Dark Crystal series on Netflix? I have not had a chance to watch it. That actually recaptures the tone. I, I, I was super happy with that series. I felt like they really went out of their way. It feels like it feels like that tone, that aesthetic. It, I was very pleased with the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. That was I, I thought that was better than I thought it could have been. Like um, so I definitely recommend that one. Yeah, but as far as like, you know, other movies of this genre, they haven't seen Labyrinth yet. Maybe I'll show them that. Um, Legend. That might be a little oh, too dark. Legend, yeah. Yeah. A good one too. I'll bring up Willow again. I brought the up last week when I when I met with Mark. <laughs> um but oh, uh, I love that one. I haven't watched that one in so long. And and if you want to get really dark, we can go return to Oz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That might be a little too much, though. But, um, yeah, I need to catch the kids in the right mood for these movies because, again, have to write the, <laughs> I have to catch them at the right time. Otherwise, they'll, they'll just walk out on it in, in the first 15 minutes. Um, I, li- I like to make a big deal of it. Um, you do? And then be like, yeah, we're going to make a movie, yeah, you know? And uh, <laughs> sometimes it works. I do that too, and it works on Joel for the most part. Not so much on Charlie anymore. He just, you know, if it's not a meme that's over in like 20 seconds, he's <laughs> not that interested. <laughs> but um, The attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. They are. <laughs> I have to keep trying though, you know. But anyway, Stacy, thank you for being our first return guest host. Thank you for having me again. This was fun. <laughs>
So it was great to have Stacy back on the podcast. Always fun to talk about movies with her. And I want to thank her for prompting me to show my kids the never-ending story finally, which um, was great. I was glad at least one of them sat through the whole thing and enjoyed it. So um, always happy to see that. Once again, this podcast featured music from Technoax, Metaphasic, and Airglow. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Take care. Stay safe. What did you think of the Empress? She wasn't so pretty. What do you mean she wasn't so pretty? Because there was something on her head and I did not like it. Do you know what name Bastion gave her? What? What was it? Don't know. I think it started with an M. What do you think it was? No, a tr- no Atreyu. The Empress's name, new name was Atreyu? No Atreyu. There's no Atreyu. That was her new name? No Atreyu? Yeah, that was kind of weird, though. Right? <laughs> Moonchild! <sighs> done and done.